Hello, my friends. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live, the podcast where we're digging into the digital revolution and the profound implications that this is having for every business and every industry and every part of the world. We're delighted to have with us today our longest running, most loved, most wonderful, greatest, best dressed guest of all, Wayne Saden, who's a multi-time CIO, CTO, and is currently a member of the Acceleration Economy Analyst Network, where he leads our data modernization practice. Wayne, good morning. Great to see you. Good morning, Bob. Hey, despite the fact that I keep getting older, this doesn't get old, being the (laughs) long-running columnist. We always find interesting stuff to talk about. That is true. That's true. What an extraordinary business uh, that this is, Wayne. And, you know, um, despite some things going on in the overall economy, there are just some uh, remarkable things going on now. And uh, I think, you know, we see these huge... uh, you know, hyperscale companies, and you're wondering, is this just something where they came out with some really cool idea, and now it's just a matter of, let's just try to chop it down, make it more efficient, or is there room for uh, innovation and differentiation and, you know, wild new things? Wayne, last thing before I kick it over to you, there's a tendency among us humans sometimes to think, well, this is really cool. This will never be improved on. I mean, we have hit the ceiling of but I think that one consistent over and over, we find out we're wrong. There's always new stuff to happen. So, Wayne, over to you. Well, I'm going to start with a quote from 100 and something years ago. Apparently, in the late 1800s, 1896 or 1898, they appointed a new director of the patent office. <laughs> and he reported back to the president that the office should be closed because everything that can be invented has already been invented and we don't need any more patents. So that's a lesson for us, right? <laughs> yeah, um, I think that that person is still around, or at least his philosophy is still around in some places. But not in this industry, and no. that's really what I want to talk about. You know, you've done a number of pieces covering developments at Amazon, developments at uh, Oracle, and developments at a lot of the other cloud companies, obviously. And I was struck by something. Uh, the reporting you've done about Amazon's recent growth slowdown compared to the other hyperscalers, and also Oracle's terrific growth compared to them, makes me look at them as outliers in both directions. You know, they really are doing something each a little unique. And let's just say it's working for one of them and maybe not working so well for the other. So, I, mean, I yeah, and I, I, I think this is true, right? And, you know, I've, since I did that piece the other day about AWS and a growth rate of 16%, some some people have said, hey, you know, you're crazy. Oracle's cloud business is so much smaller. It's easy for them to grow at the rate they are. It's harder for a big company like AWS. And I said, look, I get that. But we don't, in the cloud wars, you don't sort of get to pick uh, and choose, okay, I'll be in the greatest growth market the world's ever known, or I won't. If you're in there, then you're playing by a different set of rules, right? And mm-hmm. and Amazon's not only in that, it helped to create it. So uh, this is this is the game, the, the playing field that they've established and some of the rules they've set up. And it, somebody could say it isn't fair. Okay, it isn't fair, but it is uh, the deal that they are, that they've got to live with now. So they, they set up the terms of this extraordinary business, and now we'll see what happens. Um, and who knows, 16% this quarter, maybe they'll start lifting up next quarter. But I, again, I'm sorry to interrupt, Wayne. 
Well, I think the key is what does growth mean and what does business mean? Uh, if you sell a million dollars worth of toilet paper, you make a certain profit margin. If you sell a million dollars worth of Rolexes, you make a very different profit. And so that's one of the ways to compare Oracle's business and Amazon's business. When you look at Amazon, they are strongest and made the business of infrastructure as a service. And for those that aren't technical, that means I'm going to go rent time on their computers. We called it time sharing 50 years ago. And IBM and Burroughs and Honeywell and GE all sold those services. And so what Amazon's primary business model is, is we'll take the server stuff you're doing in-house or at a co-location center, and you don't have to worry about the physical things with the blinking lights anymore. We're going to take that on. But when you go to Amazon, you say, I want to buy the equivalent of 5,000 servers. I want to buy this much storage. I want to buy this much networking. And yeah, they have lots of ways to package it. But essentially, you're buying the lowest level of the IT commodity and then dumping your own stuff on top of it. And Amazon helps to manage the physical infrastructure and kind of the walls around the security. But you are still, as a CIO, which is what I am, largely managing your own workload. And now Amazon, that's infrastructure as a service. And then Amazon also has databases, security products, monitoring products. That's known as platform as a, as a service, but it's still the Lego set that I, as a CIO, use to build applications. Because what we're in this for is applications, not servers and storage and other nonsense. When I go to the board, I don't talk to them about servers and storage. I talk to them about their new procurement system or their logistics system or their store system or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And so Amazon is in the lowest level, which is a commodity. It's like toilet paper. If I don't like Amazon's price, I go to Google. If I don't like Google's price, I go to Microsoft. And... What happens is companies erect artificial barriers, ingress and egress fees, for example. So obviously, you did a piece where somebody was very vocal about ingress and egress fees the other day, right? Larry Ellison. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's a purely objective observer, right? Yeah, but I'm going to say this, you know, and, and I was at Cloud Wars, I mean, Cloud World last year. Um, you were there, too. And I heard Ellison speak, and I heard his executives speak, and I was, I'll be honest, I was blown away by the things they said. Yeah. Um, I, look, I have to say, I'm an Oracle fan. I'm a CIO and an Oracle fan, and that puts me in a very small minority. Most CIOs I know have something to bitch about about Oracle all the time. I think if you know how to read their contract and know how to use their licenses and pay your bill on time, they're a pretty reasonable vendor. Yeah. Uh, but that's just me. But what I loved about it was the vision that said, I'm not going to trap you in my cloud. Remember, if you sell a commodity, people have no switching costs. It's very easy to move from one commodity to another. I buy my oil from this tanker or that tanker. I almost don't care as long as it's the same quality. So what they do is they erect these artificial barriers to keep me in. And ingress and egress fees, particularly egress fees, is a barrier. Again, for those that don't know what we're talking about, you pay for the consumption of resources in a cloud. And so they charge you money to transfer data into the cloud, usually a pretty low amount. And then they charge you money to take data out of the cloud, either to consume it within your own application or to move it to another cloud provider. Yeah. And what happens is if the ingress fee is here, the, the, uh, the exit fee is here. So they want to lock me in. It's the Roach Motel. 
Yeah. You know, the, my data checks in, but it won't check out. And Ellison said, that's not right. You should pick the cloud provider based on who gives you the best value, not who traps you artificially. And they made that announcement last summer with Microsoft. And they made another announcement that was brilliant, which said, if I want to run a little bit of Microsoft and some Oracle, why do I have to have two sets of skills? Why can't I run the Microsoft infrastructure with the Microsoft knowledge I have through the Oracle control panel and vice versa? And again, speaking as a working CIO, this means my management people, my knocks and my socks and my engineers have the ability to work with the two clouds almost as one. I refer to this as a melded cloud strategy rather than a multi-cloud because they really are becoming joined at the hip. And so I think those are brilliant strategic moves because they make me feel, as a customer, like Oracle has less to hide. They're telling me they're willing to compete on the strength of their product, not on their ability to erect barriers to keep me the hell in when I want to get out. Yeah. And Wayne, you know, uh, I was kidding there a couple of minutes ago when I said, you know, Ellison's a purely objective observer. I think in some ways he is, you know, the guy's uh, a couple months from now, he's going to be 79 years old. Um, uh, I, I think he's at a point in his life where uh, he's done this sort of thing before. He's seen, you know, these ups and downs. He's seen the industry take some good directions, some not so good directions. And I think he's really onto something here. We said, this is madness, these ingress and egress fees, right? Like where the tech industry used to say, I got my own competitive battles and I'm going to push those out and include the customers in my competitive battles in the tech industry. And if I was a customer, that would infuriate me. Mm -hmm. So the ingress egress fees are up at the top of Ellison's list. Now as kind of the new player, that's going to potentially benefit him, but mostly it's going to benefit the customers. And Wayne, the last thing I'd say about this is I think it's true in Ellison's history that he just doesn't, he doesn't uh, walk the path that most other people or companies or business leaders do. And your point about infrastructure, cloud infrastructure being a commodity, I think you're right. And for a while, you know, there were there was not a lot of differentiation across AWS and Microsoft and Google Cloud and Oracle's come in with something significantly different because of the engineering that went into it. Because Ellison said, I am I have zero chance of succeeding if I do what everybody else is doing. I'm gonna go a different direction, different approach, more innovation, more capability. So now that gives them a chance to do smaller things here and there. So anyway, we'll see if that if that plays with customers theoretically. It seems like a good idea here right now, but I think Wayne, he's going in and scrambling the game and says, if you want to, if you want to develop infrastructure that is seen by customers as a commodity, go right ahead. We're not going to do that. We'll see who wins in the market. So really interesting times. Yeah. And when you think about it, the profit margin, the higher up you go in the stack goes way up and the stickiness, the difficulty I have of switching. For example, if I want to switch from one infrastructure company to another and I've got a database, I spin up the database on the new cloud and I copy the data and I'm largely done. If I'm an Oracle customer and I say, hey, let's switch to SAP tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, come back in five years and ask me how it's going. Um, I think it's Fujitsu is doing a five year SAP project. I read it yesterday. Seven hundred and fifty million dollars across their footprint. 
and five years to consolidate 2,000 ERP systems. Um, that's the reality we live in. And so the higher up you go in the stack, and if a vendor can give you the whole stack, and that's what Oracle's play is, right? We have the Oracle, the OCI, the Oracle Compute Infrastructure Gen 2, the Autonomous Database, and a suite of applications that work well with that. If you are an Oracle fan, you want to use their apps, and now I presume the Cerner stack, they've got the cloud for you. And I kind of like the fact that the people writing the applications and the people writing the cloud and the people writing the tools in the middle all talk to each other. Because otherwise, you're left stitching this stuff together as a client. And I have to ask myself as a CIO, do I want to be in the infrastructure and glue business or do I want to find a partner that frees me to be in the business transformation business? Yeah. You know, Wayne, I want to go back to something you said a couple of minutes ago um, regarding the, you, you go in and talk to the CEOs and boards and you don't go in and talk about the details of servers and networks, but you do want to talk in some ways about the applications because those applications run the key processes and operations of the company. So the head of applications at Oracle, Steve Miranda, he's been recently making the point that he said, they're, they're finding at Oracle that more and more of their cloud applications customers are saying, holy crap, you know, I didn't fully understand up front that when I go with your applications, which run on your infrastructure, then I get a new database, I get new security, I get new operating system, I get new servers, I get new infrastructure. Your point, Wayne, that you've made for four years about the danger of technical debt and how you know you can try to ignore it, but it's not going to go away. And you know, at some point, you got to deal with it. So I think their uh, Oracle is saying that a lot of their customers are saying that the use of applications, modern applications with Oracle, is a way to battle the technical debt. Um, I, I think something too, Wayne. I'm sorry if this is a something you were going to get to. Is, you know, AWS has done a phenomenal job where they are, but what you've been saying too is they haven't come up that stack. They're only just beginning to do enterprise applications with AWS supply chain. I suspect they'll do some others, but that is, uh, that you know, Microsoft and Oracle have been doing it for half a century. I'm not saying AWS can't do it, but the yeah. road to get there is is very, very challenging. So the good thing that I see about this over and over is it, provide so much choice for customers, right? They're very clear and differentiated choices. So that is, uh, again, I think one of the things that makes this whole cloud war space so, so extraordinary. Absolutely. And as a customer, the choices I used to have, what model of IBM mainframe do I want to buy, um, has now been broadened to which cloud philosophy resonates with what I'm trying to do. If I had a, a lift my entire stack and I was on-prem, and, and you know, for all we talk about the cloud, most of my clients, which are not East Coast investment banks and West Coast Silicon Valley, they are largely on-prem or colo clients. They run mainframes, they run AS400s, they run Unix boxes and data centers. And so the cloud, for all of the hype, has not transformed every corner of IT. There's a lot of people still making the choice, making the decision, and making the move. And so there's a lot of grounds yet to be plowed here, a lot of fertile ground. 
And so you can choose the Oracle approach. I'm an Oracle shop or wannabe, and I want to buy it all from them, and it packages together very nicely. And remember, the hardest thing for a CIO is finding people and finding people I can afford because the prices have been bid up for some of these skill sets astronomically. You know, you're looking at mid-six figures to hire a senior cloud architect because you're competing with a lot of the Silicon Valley people who need the skill. So isn't it nice if I can focus on building solutions and let somebody else do that? Now, if I'm more of a put it together myself, I have a deeper bench, maybe I'll choose an approach like Microsoft's. I can choose their database. They have several. I can choose their app stack. They have several. And I can put the pieces together in a framework. Microsoft calls it the power platform. So again, I've got an integrating framework. I've got a data layer. I've got a security layer, and I can mix and match the parts. And this gives me the choice. You know, when I go to Amazon, what do I get? I get the low-level stuff. But, but Bob, I do want to talk about a couple of things I've seen recently. One was something you mentioned. They now have a logistics and supply chain app. And so if you think about it, who would you go to for advice on building an efficient supply chain? Who in the world has the best supply chain? It's either Walmart or it's Amazon. And Walmart doesn't sell software. So I was very interested in the interview you did and absorbed it and loved it. And I found it fascinating that they that Amazon hired somebody who sold his company to Oracle. And Oracle still sells that product, by the way. I looked this morning. And now Amazon is saying, we're going to go one better. And I hope it wasn't clear to me in the interview that the Amazon supply chain people in the warehouses were the consultants on that, because I hope they were. Um, and so I'm actually deep in a, in a supply chain project right now with a client, and I'm going to take a look at the Amazon stuff that I never would have prior to seeing the interview. Uh, but that becomes a question. If you are a competitor to Amazon, and many companies are now, do you want to give money to Amazon, to AWS? Uh, I was in the banking software business once in a company owned by a bank, and our bank bought our software. They were a customer. To be honest, they were a pretty terrible customer, and we didn't treat them all that well. We treated them much much less well than our paying customers. But all the other banks said, we don't want to do business with you. You're telling all our secrets to this bank that owns you. No, we weren't. Uh, they didn't like us. We didn't like them. We didn't talk a lot. But that's the fear you have. Yeah. And so that would be a concern if Amazon is playing to their strength the people who use it are likely to be competitors. So there's a dynamic here they've got to work out. Um, another thing, though, I saw I, I had a meeting just the other day at a client with, with Amazon, with AWS. They came in and made a pitch. This is a company that uses Amazon's infrastructure, low-level stuff. And they said, let's come and talk to you about your industry. Let's have a vertical discussion with your business executive uh -huh. and IT executive. And, and, Bob, I swore I was in an IBM meeting from 30 years ago. The screen lit up with experts in every part of our vertical industry, all employed by Amazon, by AWS. Most of them had been there less than five years. They were hires in from the industry. Yeah. And they, they gave us their industry pedigrees, and it was terrific. I will tell you, though, not one of them mentioned the logistics and supply chain product that I learned about from your interview. They talked about optimizing our cloud spend. And how does Redshift help us? and how other companies are using Amazon's infrastructure and platform in our industry. So 
they're, they're getting it, but not quite, is my view from a sample size of one. Yeah. But, you know, it's traction, Bob, and I give them credit for that. Not just saying we're going to have a catalog online, buy our stuff, and hope you use a lot of it. Um, they're really trying to engage customers at the executive level, which is not something I'd ever seen from Amazon before. Yeah. Well, you know, Wayne, uh, the the Amazon thing, their culture, you know, every day is day one, and they uh, must in some ways be looking at this and saying, we've done very well up till now, we'll probably continue to do real well in infrastructure, but it isn't so much about what we're doing, it's more about what these customers want, and more of the customers creating stuff, building stuff, mm -hmm. the development uh, needing that industry-specific expertise that you were describing, but it's got to be broad industry expertise, almost personalized for an individual company at a certain time in a certain you know competitive dynamic, what they want and need. And I, I think that's why it's so valuable, Wayne, to talk with you about these things because you know too often the tech industry gets caught up in these sort of sweeping, high-level, uh, broad stroke analysis of what's going on. You're living in the real world as a CIO and working with these companies and, mm -hmm. you know, going through the the day-to-day -day real life challenges of what happens there. So I think it was fascinating to hear that AWS is able to come in with a bunch of people talking about retail and supply chain logistics, everything that, you know, the industry you're in wanted to hear about. But um, there's that other part of, you don't just, you know, flip a switch and become a software company overnight, right? The, the context that you've described is so important. So fascinating times right now. Yeah, and I think this, Bob, I think Amazon has got to be faced with a choice. If they're not debating it internally, they should be. Do we want to develop niche applications, even though supply chain is a very big niche? Do we want to develop them one at a time in-house, or do we want to go buy somebody? Do we want to get big fast? You know, obviously, Ellison... Go back to Oracle's history. They were a database company, and they started buying application companies. They bought a dozen of them or more that I was using, and they had a lot of you know a lot of growing pains as they tried yeah. to get Oracle Fusion fused. I went through about eight years with them of watching Fusion fuse, and but now you know twenty years later, twenty five years later, the stuff works. Now they're doing the same thing again with healthcare and Cerner, and I have no doubt it will eventually knit together and work because they're really good at this by now. Yeah. How does Amazon, who has lots of money, deep pockets, lots of technology, how do they decide to tackle this? Do they want to take on Microsoft or Oracle or SAP? My, I'm going to say SAP slash Microsoft because of the hosting arrangement. Yeah. Um, or do they, they want to buy, you know, a billion dollar, a couple of billion dollar software company? Um, there's probably some available for sale. This is more your beat than mine. I just know what the products look like. But maybe that's the solution for them is, is learn how to be in the software business by buying a company with sales and marketing and support and documentation and training and consulting. There's a lot of moving parts in a software company, as you said. And so I think Amazon's going to be faced with a strategic choice. Do you want to keep playing at the commodity end of the market and hope the rising tide lifts all boats? Or do you want to differentiate your product? Do you want to build something that's unique enough that people say, I want to buy it from Amazon, and I'm willing to pay a premium, the SaaS premium, to get a differentiated product that works in my industry, 
supporting my efforts. You know, the interview you did, the, the, the fella, uh, Diego, said something very important to me. 70% of the features in your industry, in the vertical supply chain, come from the vendor. And only 30% needs to be provided by the customer or their implementation partner. That's been my thinking for a long time, and that's Acceleration Economy's perspective on vertical software. And so they're, they're saying the right things, but they're saying it in one vertical, one kind of functional vertical. What's Amazon's plan for the rest of it? That's what I'm looking to see. What are they going to do over the next couple of years to capture my heart and mind as a CIO who wants to buy more than, dare I say it, the toilet paper of cloud computing? Yeah. And Wayne, if they capture your heart and mind, that next thing, the third thing they want is your wallet. But the road to the wallet goes through the mind and the heart, right? Got to have all yeah. three. Absolutely. We're, look, we're willing to pay for differentiated vertical software that solves our problem quicker. Companies don't mind making an investment in a quality product. What, we, what we've had to do up to now, as I say, buy the Lego blocks and assemble our own solution. There are people who think that's great. I don't think manufacturing companies, supply chain companies, retail companies, hospitals should be in the software business. I think they should be in the business that's on the nameplate on the door. Yeah. Um, and so as a CIO, I'm encouraging the vendors to give me more solutions that I can, can that I can configure rather than customize and that either fit together with other products in their app store or their infrastructure space, their partner space, or they just work out of the box from the vendor. Because then I do less integration and more solution. And that's what I think I want to do as a 21st century CIO. Well, perfect, perfect. Wayne, as always, a pleasure talking with you. You give everybody lots of things to think about. And, um, you know, unlike some of us who don't know what we're talking about, you do know what you're talking about. And that's why I encourage people, listen to him. He's Wayne. He knows what's going on. Good to see you, my friend. Good to see you as well, Bob. Thank you so much. All right, folks, thanks to all of you for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. Hope things are going great for you. Summer's just around the corner. We'll see you again soon. All right. Okay. Wait. Now well we'll wait done. till it saves to the cloud, right? Uh, that's what Aaron taught me. Yeah, now I, I will have to hit end meeting for all and then up it goes. Oh, okay. We'll be cut up. That's how the, the system is set oh. up for but okay. I've got the idiot-proof version. Hey, whatever works, Bob. Whatever works. Right. So I, I, we have I just wanted to ask, how are you doing, man? I see you traveling to all these exotic locations lately. <laughs> yeah, we spent five weeks in Arizona, Wayne, which was wonderful. Um, in New York today, uh, heading back home. But I, I'm doing great. Uh, I was up here. My two daughters, uh, one's pregnant, the other's. Uh, having some pretty rough health issues. Uh, granddaughter and I are becoming best friends. She knows I'm an easy mark for chocolate and ice cream. And uh, But all in all, Wayne, things are really, really good. Thank you for yeah. asking. Hope the same for you. Yeah, I'm doing great. I mean, I've got a new client. I'm traveling like crazy, but I'm collecting great stories, man. Yes. Uh, I mean, really, I got to tell you, when Amazon showed up, I'm working with an EVP. He's a billionaire personally. Because his family owns this, they're worth two and a half billion dollars. He's a 33-year-old billionaire. And so I get, hey, Amazon's coming to see me, coming to the meeting because they asked to see me. And I said, okay. It was 
like a, a, a like a real shit show in a lot of ways. There were so many people on the call, nobody knew who what to sell. I actually said to them, well, they said, we want to help you. We want to give you advice. And I said, so how do you make money? What do you mean you're going to give us advice? And then eventually it came out, well, we'll introduce you to partners. We will. I said, well, I'm, I want to use SAP, for example. We'll bring SAP in. Huh. Oh, we'll bring Slalom Consulting in. I said, I know the founders of Slalom. Why would I care what you bring? Well, because they call Slalom and say, Tell tell them they have to use Am they have to use Amazon. <laughs> so, it, but but I I admire them for coming and trying to do a sales pitch to an EVP of a business, and not talk about tech, and and really you know they were trying to learn how to do this. They got a ways to go. In fact, yeah. you or John or somebody should tell them we can help them. But <laughs> I, that's a good idea, Wayne. We'll get at that, but. Wayne, uh, great to see you doing some fun stuff. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I'm going to run off to an airport here. So okay. thank you, my friend. Good to see you, Wayne. Hey, Bob, I got a question for you. One one quick question. Do you have any good connections at SAP? Um, I've got these reseller partners that are low-end companies in South America. I, I, I'm in retail now, so I need an SAP retail person if possible, but just the right level to say we really matter and we really want SAP and we really want their help. So uh, a, a partner in the retail side. No, I would like and the SAP retail the SAP people. Person. Yeah, absolutely. Inside SAP. Because the partners, my, the partners my client picked are these really low-end little bitty companies in little South American countries, and they're not adequate to a $4 billion company's approach. Um, so Wayne, I would love to talk to the right SAP person and yeah. say, who do I talk to? Absolutely. Wayne, if you just drop me a, you know, one sentence email message, remind mm -hmm. me to do that either on the way to the airport or at the airport, I'll do that. And I'll connect you with somebody there and we'll get that rolling. Thank you, Bob. Absolutely. Hey, have a safe Bye, my friend. Bye-bye, Wayne. Bye.